So hello and welcome to the 27th episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada, where we discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Linus Kilius, and with me, as always, is Aaron Richardson. Hey, Aaron. Good afternoon, Linus. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. And I'm the head of business development at the real estate marketing company, Homania. Before we get into the show today, I had a quick couple of questions for Aaron, actually, because he was attending. Well, the reason we did do a show last week is because he was attending Century 21's management workshop in Toronto. How'd that go, Aaron? What was all that all about? Oh, so it was really actually, it was a really good workshop. Uh, Chris Leader, which is an industry uh, um, icon when it comes to uh, training, um, himself and his uh, his wife, actually, who works alongside uh, him, Tina, she was really knowledgeable as well. Um, and they put together a workshop, and they've done it for quite a few years in uh, in Toronto. And uh, yeah, so agents, um, well, managers, owners uh, from across Canada got together um, at the Sheridan in Toronto. And uh and we had a fantastic, uh, informative meeting all about uh, the real estate industry and what, we, what, you know, really about what ownership um, and how to, you know, be successful as an owner or manager within a brokerage. Yeah, I mean, I popped by and I was actually really surprised and impressed how much of a breadth of people from across the country there were. I was expecting, considering it was based out of Toronto, that uh, yeah. there would be mostly Southern Ontario people, but there were some. I met someone from BC out there too, as well as from out east. So I was I was pretty impressed. So is this something that that Central Trail One puts on out on a regular basis? Yeah, every it seems like it it is in a regular thing every uh, December, I guess, uh, that they have the people from across Canada come come to Toronto and and there just does seem to be a, a much heavier weight from the rest of the country, which is great. It gives them an opportunity to kind of get away and and uh, network amongst the agents uh, across Canada. And it was kind of uh, it, you know Ron and I were there. Ron's another manager with us and. Uh, um, we're a little disappointed at the end of every day. They're like, oh, we're going to go for dinner and we're going to go, you know, do this, do that. And we're like, oh, we're going to go home because we live a uh, half an hour away. So it didn't give us an opportunity necessarily to hang out a lot at night with, uh, with the other agents. But, uh, yeah, with the workshops were fantastic. So. so this is one of the best opportunities to do some networking and try and get some ideas with other managers. Are there other things? Like, yeah. Obviously, like, there's national conference is a good place to go to, but mm-hmm. are there any other resources that Central One has that managers or agents can take advantage of for networking? Oh, well, I mean, uh, the international conference is coming up in uh, Las Vegas in February. Um, or was it Feb- No, it's March. It's March 5th in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, we're hoping to, to go to that as well. So that'll be a great networking, just not with Canada, obviously, with uh, the U.S. Uh, as well. So that's coming up. Um, I know the top 25 brokerages are invited to go to a chairman's circle. So that's in February. And, uh, and as well, the obviously, the uh, Canada conference, which is in um, Quebec City next year. So that'll be another opportunity. There's the Gold Gala, which is the awards night. There's just so many things to to attend. And uh, you can't go to all of them all the time. But uh, if you get out to at least one a year, I think it's a fantastic opportunity. So why is it so important to to do this networking with other like management and agents in the system too? Because I mean, I guess is it just a matter of making sure you keep your ideas fresh and kind of keeping eye, an eye on what other people are doing to, to grow your brokerage or your personal business as well? There's so many different levels of the reasons why. I mean, you, you learn things from other uh, other ideas. You you know, collaborate with different things. You, you usually are able to take out 
um, a handful of things that you want to implement with your own business, whether it be with a, if you're an agent or with your own brokerage. And, uh, and of course, the networking with referrals across Canada is always good, too. And you establish those relationships and you know, you'll pass clients back and forth across the uh, across the country. Well, I mean, we, we kind of got a little bit off topic because we haven't even started the yeah. show yet. This is, <laughs> this is supposed to be a warm up question to ask about the management workshop, but it turned out to be like a little bit more of a discussion about the different resources for networking we have and, and everything we have. Yeah. But on today's show, what our topic is and what we're going to be talking about are the advantages and disadvantages of creating a brokerage within a brokerage, put those in quotes. Creating your own satellite office within a brokerage, perhaps incorporating your brokerage within a brokerage to benefit from tax advantages that come along with incorporation. Are these good ideas that we're going to save you money and grow your business in the process? Well, the answer isn't as clear cut as you think. And that's what Aaron is, and I are going to be talking about today. So getting right into it, Aaron, what's the problem here? Like, what's, What are the advantages of incorporating your real estate business? Well, and that's the buzzword right now. I know... Um brokerages have being uh, or agents within the brokerage have been called a lot from different uh, um, brands to say hey come with us we'll incorporate you and make you know you can have your own business within our our company and it was a bit of a buzz topic over the last couple of years and uh, um, and I I guess I guess what's happening is a lot of people are either doing their due diligence and looking into it and making an informed decision or jumping at it and realizing afterwards, whoa, there's a lot more in, involved in terms of a corporation that they maybe um, didn't think about. So uh, we can talk about that. Yeah, just to make sure that we, we frame it a little bit too, incorporation of your real estate business isn't consistent across Canada. Uh, in some regions like Ontario, you actually are not allowed to incorporate your personal business uh, in real estate. Uh, however, other provinces like BC, this isn't an issue. Um, so maybe, maybe we should talk about that first. Like, why is it an issue that you can't incorporate in Ontario as a real estate agent? Because most other professional uh, entities can, like if you're a lawyer or an accountant, yeah. for instance. A lot of times it's your regulatory body. So if RICO, for example, does have a business of broker, brokers act that uh, that deals with um, you, yourself as an individual agent not being able to incorporate. You cannot pay a commission to any other entity other than your personal self. So um, you can't incorporate within uh, within the Real Estate Council of Ontario. Um, and yeah, I don't know necessarily. I mean, it's a it's a it's a bit of a I guess a tax issue with uh, with the Canadian tax code. I'm, I'm not sure all the politics involved, but um, the reality, uh, the situation is you, you have to pay your personal incomes tax based on your commission amount that you get paid from your brokerage or you get from the, the sale of the property and you're an independent contractor, all that kind of stuff. But um, you have to pay your nominal, whatever the uh, tax rate is that you're going to be uh, charged personally um, for the year. And uh, so I don't know if you want me to get into a little bit about the advantages if you know people think the advantages if you have a corporation for example well maybe you know? let's let's hold off on that for a second because yeah, one thing okay. i do want to ask you is and since we're talking about like ontario specifically is um there is some momentum gathering behind this this policy changing to an amendments mm -hmm. being made to um some of the registra uh, regulations in place for incorporating as real estate agent um, do those have any legs? Like, are we going to be seeing a change to the incorporation restrictions in Ontario? So there's a Tax Fairness to Realtors Act that was brought in, I think, 2015. 
um, by uh, one of the MPs or uh, one of the politicians. And there was a reading. Uh, it was the first reading and you need three readings to get passed in terms of an act. So the first reading was done in, I think, 2015. Um, and it sort of just kind of and I don't know if it was 2015. It might have been a bit earlier than that. But um, we're waiting for the second and third reading. And that can happen within a two-week period. It's just a matter of uh, a politician getting up there to support us. So I know there has been a lot of push uh, for it by Aria and whatnot uh, to, to pass the tax fairness uh, so we can uh, incorporate. Is there anything that your average Joe real estate agent can do to help push this forward in Ontario? Uh, yeah, talk to your local uh, politician and get them. Um, you know, I, I've put things on websites before. I, I think on my uh, uh, company's website, y21.ca, we, we put a tax fairness um, petition that's sent off every time you fill it in. Another email gets sent off to our MP to uh, get them to push to uh, to do something to, um, to, to push this bill through, you know, get the second and third reading done. Right. So... It sounds like maybe eventually it's going to happen, but you know, obviously the wheels sometimes take a long time to turn in, in, ter in yep. terms of changing regulations and such. But for the meantime, uh, before we get into the advantages again of incorporating, is there anything that someone can do to kind of get around these limitations as well? Uh, I've heard, I've heard different uh, different things that I've been told that people are doing in terms of setting up uh, corporations to manage their business, and you pay the corporation to manage the business a certain amount. Uh, and then uh, the the business pays all your bills, for example. It's just there's different ways to, you know, from a tax perspective. I think that that's very dangerous. I think it's dangerous to look at uh, different ways to try and manipulate the system because you might get caught. So, you know, my whole feeling is, you know, don't don't mess with something unless you know that you're doing, you know, it the right way. Um, you don't want to get caught. Um, there is, you know, I guess the question is, is there are ways around it. Well, there is something that uh, I know Remax sort of spearheaded, and uh, it was incorporation of a business within a brokerage, a brokerage within a brokerage, if you will. Um, so you would basically be having a separate franchise agreement to saying, um, you know, uh, let's say if I wanted to incorporate personally Aaron Richardson within the brokerage, I could start up my own company, Century 21 Heritage Aaron Richardson, and I would be sort of a subsidiary of the brand. With a, So I'd be my own brokerage. You need a broker of record. You need a trust account. You need everything a normal brokerage would have. And essentially, Century 21 would be helping you do this. Um, and uh, with Century 21, they have set up that um, ability. Um, they call it the ABA, uh, affiliate, Affiliated Broker Agreement. And so there is that opportunity for you to do that um, within the Century 21 brand. Maybe now is a good time to talk about, is this worth it? I mean, it sounds like it's a lot yeah. of, potentially a lot of hassle. Um, what are what are the advantages specifically? I mean, we touched on them briefly near, near the top of the show, but what are the advantages of incorporating specifically? Like, why would you want to incorporate as opposed to just you know claiming your expenses on your personal income? Well, I mean, there are different reasons. The main thing people really want to incorporate for is so they can pay a fifteen percent tax on income, opposed to let's say. 45% if you're in a certain tax bracket. Of course, it's uh, graduated, so it's not always the same tax bracket. But um, essentially what you want to do is you, yeah, you don't want to pay as much tax to the government. Um, that's the main reason why people want to incorporate other than having your name on a sign to, you know, have a little bit of a, I guess uh, it's a bit of an ego thing to say that, you know, oh, well, I own my own brokerage. So um, there's that as well. And I say ego, it's a, you know, it's a marketing thing, we'll call it. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess the, the advantages of keeping the money within the company, so you, you do get tax on the profits lower of the tax bracket. Um, mm. However, once you once you decide to take that money out, I guess you can you can take it out different ways. I've read some different strategies too. You could even um, have like say your family members uh, be employees of the corporation. You can kind of spread out your um, income a little bit easier as well. I mean, there, it seems like there's a whole bunch of different tax advantages that you can take advantage of if you do have your incorporated uh, personal real estate business. I'm not sure if you've heard of anything like that or any well, like different ways to take advantage of it. And again, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't give any yeah. tax advice. Go see your tax an accountant and all the rest of it. But um, the, what you had mentioned there in terms of paying somebody in your family if they're in a different tax bracket, I mean, we we. We could technically do that now. You don't have to incorporate to yeah. do that. You can you can still have an assistant. You can pay an, an employee salary to your to your wife, for example, and on and whatnot. Um, so there's there's that. I think the incorporation side, the benefits to to uh, having the incorporation is if you make enough money, where you can leave some of that money in the corporation and not pay yourself a dividend. So you leave that money in the corporation year after year. Tool eventually you can either buy a piece of property, an investment property within the corporation, for example, maybe own your own office or um, purchase something down the road. I think that's the main reason why people would want to incorporate. Um, you do have to uh, leave money in the corporation for it to make any sense. Yeah. Well, that's good. So now is it worth it? Going through the uh, in, in obviously in some some provinces where it's a little bit easier, uh, that's mm-hmm. not so much of an issue. But let's say talk, we're talking about Ontario with with the um, the specific franchise agreement that you'd have the associated franchise agreement. Is that something that's worthwhile going through the headache of to get these tax advantages? I would say, I would say the majority of the time from from the people that have come to me and I point them in the direction of an accountant and the uh, affiliated broker agreement and all the rest of it they do their due diligence and find out now it's not it's not really worth it and the reason being is there is a lot involved in, ter- in terms of setting up your own business and uh, whether it be the corporation process uh, incorporating a business the costs associated with the liabilities that come with it um, the overhead and the uh, just the administrative uh, issues and then in the end, you know, keeping the money in the corporation, it's it's hard, you know, when you, you have a lifestyle, it doesn't matter whether or not you're making $100,000 a year or a million dollars a year, you have a lifestyle and uh, and you're using that money most of the time. So it's very difficult sometimes to keep money in a in a corporation just sitting there not doing anything other than well, maybe invested or whatnot. But the corporation, uh, the only advantage is really so you get taxed at a lower rate. But you don't get to use that money until you take it out. And then when you take it out, you have to claim it and then it's your personal. So it's, you know, it's a little bit like an RSP almost, but, uh, um, you know, there's other, there's other things involved. So, yeah, well, I, I guess it might only make sense too, if, if you're a higher volume real estate agent as well, I could see that potentially being a place where you could more take advantage of this because you, you might, the, the absorption of these administrative costs might be offset by the tax advantages and such too. Okay, so to give an example, if you're making let's say three hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars range, that's where you should even you shouldn't even think about incorporation. I think until you hit those sort of numbers, and even at that point in time, um, you are better spent reinvesting your money back in your business and using that as a write-off in terms of advertising um, to grow your business um, before you start thinking about incorporation. If you get upwards of a million dollars and you're, you're built, uh, built a good business, you, you you don't want to grow your business any further by advertising and doing any more write-offs or you just feel that, you know, the, you've, you've reached your limit and you want to incorporate and you think you're going to buy a building, you know, those are the sort of things that, uh, it might make some sense. Um, but, um, I think in the end too, 
you have to also decide, you know, to go through this whole process um, and then find out in June that agents are going to be able to be incorporated in Ontario. You've spent a lot of time, effort and money to incorporate something that, you know, was coming six months later. So, yeah, well, it does sound like at least Ontario's case that this is something that will hopefully be pushing along pretty quickly and, and maybe even better served your time would be to, like you said, contact your local MP and maybe try and get behind um, mm-hmm. allowing for this to happen and then trying to like, you know, spearhead a bit of a movement for, for this. Um, yeah. But what about what about the other side of things too that we talked about as well? What about like satellite offices too? Because there would be a lot of overhead with that. Why would someone want to create a satellite office, this other form of a brokerage within a brokerage? Yeah, I mean, this is something that I, I did 10 years ago. So I have some sort of insight on the satellite office end of things. It's sort of the best of both worlds where you're you're starting up, uh, you know, your own little office separate from the main office. It gives you a nice little work environment where you can maybe build a team from. And teams are very popular right now. So uh, you're creating your own culture within within a separate office. Um, so, I mean, there's there's some small advantages to doing that. Um, I think when I started uh, our first satellite office, um, I thought, uh, you know, I came from a retail background. I thought I was going to get a lot of walk-ins, a lot of traffic, and I can convert that tra- traffic into leads. And sure enough, in the first couple of years, I did a few deals from it. Uh, def- definitely, um, you know, I thought, yeah, at least it covers the uh, the costs, some of the costs associated with having your own office. But um, what I've quickly realized that the money that we're spending on the office could again easily be put into a good advertising campaign online, for example, that generates leads and and grows our business uh, at a much higher rate than having our own office. So, you know, looking back, I think I would have liked to have, I think probably uh, spent that money in different directions in terms of building the business rather than just having an office for the sake of having a nice work environment. Were there other advantages to having the satellite office, maybe like geographically speaking, being closer to like your farm area or something along those lines too? Yeah, I mean, having a separate office with, uh, you, you know, your name on the, you know, obviously, you know, the company's name's on the front, but your name up there along with it to say this is, a, you know, the uh, the team office. It definitely, um, the way I look at it, it was an advantage to the sense that gives us some more advertising in the area. So, um, you know, if I'm going to buy a bench ad, I might as well put it on a side of a building and spend that money towards uh, having a nice office. And there's costs associated with having an office within your brokerage too. So um, depending on your brokerage and what they charge for offices, it might make some monetary sense uh, to, to have your own separate office. Um, but again, you really have to have a good business plan to figure out and see if it outweighs the, the advantages, outweighs the uh, benefits. Hey, well, talking about other Drama. places to spend your money then too. Like if instead of spending your your time money potentially going into creating your own satellite office, where would you potentially be able to spend this better? I mean, I guess that's a bit of a loaded question because there's lots of ways you can go with it. But yeah. in terms of getting those advantages, those those leads, that advertising uh, advantage that you're talking about, that, that kind of like branding in the neighborhood, are there other places you can spend an equivalent amount of money and maybe get more bang for your buck? Yeah, I mean, there's a... a- a couple that I would suggest you look towards, and let, let's say you're going to open an office, and listen, op- opening an office can have different overheads, but let's say it's $2,500 a month. We'll keep it on the relatively reasonable side, and you know, get a small little office in town, and and say, um, you know, so it's $2,500. Where could I spend the $2,500 a month um, and be more effective? Uh, I would look at farming. I would look at because uh, it's it's not it's not a 
a cheap you know undertaking to to try and buy some business in an area by doing uh, flyers you know once a week once every other week and getting out there and buying a bench and you know making sure everybody in that that area knows you so farming would be one and then uh, you know, if somebody came to me and said, I like to spend the $2,500 a month on online advertising, uh, I would be all right, let's, you know, let's get this going because I love the online advertising end of things. And I think uh, a lot of people obviously are getting some leads online. And as long as you have a good conversion program and, uh, uh, and you're able to do something with the leads, I think online is where it's at now too. So, um, so farming and online advertising is the two areas I would look towards. You mentioned bench ads, and I've always wondered how well those actually work. Um, what, what's your take on bench ads since we're talking about it? I know it's a little bit yeah. off topic, but I've always been curious as to what the best kind of strategy is there. Some agents seem to swear by them. I've been in areas where you can't find a bench without that, that agent's name all over their farming area, right, to get that yeah. branding out. Um, I mean, in terms of advertising, um, getting, uh, branding advertising is always the one that's a bit more difficult to uh, put a dollar value on because, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. putting your name out there, you're getting your brand out there. It's not necessarily like, you know, advertising money to like – directly convert to sell a product like like on like an online advertising situation too where you're like you're trying to get those clicks you're trying to convert those leads it's a bit um harder to evaluate the performance of something like bench ads is what sure. i'm getting at so what what's yeah. your take on on i guess the the print advertising in in the public yeah the print, i mean uh, you have to have a good business plan in order to be successful in any money you spend in the in the real estate business. You have to be smart about how you spend it. Um, you'll talk to one agent and they'll say, benches, nobody calls off benches. You know, why would you put a, you know, it's just for the image. You want to see yourself around town. Uh, again, an ego thing. It's, uh, no, it's, it's very strategic. Uh, bench ads are extremely um, effective if you um, do a really good job farming. Um, and what I mean by that is that there should be, you know, pe- people think farming is just, uh, okay, I'll do some door knocking. That's my area. I'll send some flyers out. Now, if you have a system that's strategically sending out flyers once every week, once every couple weeks, I'm not a big fan of once a month. I don't think it's enough in a lot of cases, but if you're doing it that consistently door knocking, so they see your face, having, hosting an event in the area, and all of a sudden people start to see, wow, you know, this, this, this guy's all over the place. And then you get a bench and now he's all over a bench. So everybody knows your name. And uh, if you look, if you Google why choose a real estate or how to choose a real estate agent, um, the first thing that comes up is cho- choose a local person that knows the business. Um, so obviously people will call the person that knows or has seen the most in an area. And that's how farming is effective. And that's how a bench will be effective. Yeah, it almost does seem like there's kind of this minimum amount you have to do. You're kind of mentioning it before. Again, it's it comes down to like branding, advertising. You can't yeah. just spend a small amount and expect it to do well. You need to make sure that you are that kind of dominant name in an area or something. It's not like uh, like Coca-Cola, for instance, doesn't just spend a small amount of money on an ad here or there. They're, they try and get everywhere, right? So that as soon as you think about, you know, drinking a, a soft drink, you're thinking about Coke, right? Um, that's right. And, and that's the power of branding is is that you, you associate that. You don't, you, you probably even think of like, say, other types of sodas as like less less popular, less good because you see Coke everywhere. No, ma- no matter like what your personal taste is, like everyone assumes that it's a higher quality product, I guess. And I guess that's yes. what you're trying to do with branding in an area, but you do have to have that solid strategy and make sure that you're ever Everywhere too, I, th- I almost feel like in or and get that constant um, bombardment of people in the area with your your image and your branding for in order for it to work properly too. It's all psychology. I you talked and there's a lot of trainers that there's all about psychology, um, and I think the number is forty. 
40 is if you see something 40 times within a certain time period, it becomes to be part of your um, in the back of your brain. You know, if they see your if you see your see your face 40 times over in the next two months, they're going to remember you. But they have to see it consistently. And that bench is on the way out in the morning when you're going to work and on the way in in the morning. So it's twice a day they're seeing your brand. Um, that's why a bench can be extremely effective. Go figure. We started talking about brokerages within a brokerage and we end up talking <laughs> about bench ads. Farm, yeah, farm ads. Yeah. Well, hey, um, we're, we're getting a little bit longer on the show, so maybe we'll start wrapping it up here. But do you have anything else that you want to talk about, like creating like a brokerage in the brokerage? Like generally, what I mean, it seems like you're you're kind of leaning towards it's better not to spend your money elsewhere other than doing like either um, in Ontario, at least looking into incorporating or creating like a satellite office. Is that a fair assessment of what you've been saying today? Yeah, you know what? One of yeah, well, one of the reasons why I think it was it was nice that we brought this uh, topic up, and, what, and it was sort of I got a phone call last night from a, one of the agents in our office, and uh, their idea was to open a satellite office. They were going to get their you know a few of the agents get their pull pull their, pull their money together and open up a little office and do some duty time at the office, thinking that you know they'll get some people to walk in. Um, so I went through the scenario and said, do your you know do your research and look into everything. I wasn't saying not to do it. I said just be careful with it because I've seen a lot of people open up these um, small shops and expect people to walk in. And when it comes to real estate, uh, I told them, I said, you know, look at our office that has 220 agents and um, in, a, in a downtown core, how many people walked in and actually um, created, a, you know, a lead was generated from somebody just saying, hey, I want to sell my house. You know, do you have an agent that come can, can help me? And it just doesn't happen anymore, you know, and it doesn't happen to any um, consistency or amount where you're actually going to make a profit from it. I just don't believe that uh, that that is that is something that's happening. So if you're if you're thinking about opening a satellite office and you're thinking about incorporating and doing your own thing, really consider um, uh, you know everything before you do it, and uh, definitely you know don't heavily weight it towards the the fact that we're going to get some walk-in and leads generated from it because it, it doesn't happen as as often as you may think. Okay, so not necessarily for everyone. Do your homework. Make sure you've got a solid business plan going forward, I guess. And and like Aaron was saying too, I guess the important thing is is to evaluate your alternatives. See where else you can use that money that would be an opportunity cost lost if uh, you're doing your own satellite office as well and see which kind of route, I guess, would be the most effective use of your, your, of your money and your time. So. so I think we'll wrap up the show there then. So if you like the show... Subscribe to our show on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on those sites. You can watch this and past shows at spotlight.century21.ca slash podcast. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at homania.com. That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A dot com. So this podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program an exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. We provide high-quality HDR photography, stunning HD video tours, a cutting-edge responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that helps sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. Find out why so many top agents are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Have a great week.